You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. The recent wildfires in California are another reminder for everyone to make sure you've got the right insurance in place, whether you're a renter or a homeowner or a business owner. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. It's Thanksgiving week and Rich and I are thankful that we're here and healthy and alive and still evacuated. But that's okay because we are going to take a much needed vacation with four other couples from Malibu. We're going to go enjoy fresh air and clean water in the Caribbean. So I can't wait. And we're going to the same place as last year's hurricane. So I'm hoping that it's calm this time and we can all just relax and recover together. None of us lost our homes, which is miraculous, but 700 of our neighbors did. Plus, Malibu is hurting in general. I drove through yesterday for the first time and was just shocked at the charred remains of some of the most desirable neighborhoods in the world. But it's nowhere near as bad as the Camp Fire, which is the deadliest and most destructive fire in California. As of November 19th, it was 66% contained, 151,000 acres burned, 77 people killed, with still over 1,000 missing, and 11,713 homes destroyed, 472 commercial buildings destroyed, and 3,388 other buildings gone. Now, Rich and I had just upped the insurance on our property a couple of weeks before the fire, so in all honesty, We weren't that worried because we knew we were covered, but we do have friends here in Malibu who were renters. There are lots of renters in California because it's so expensive to own, and they did not have renter's insurance. So I thought on today's show, I would invite back Emily Rogan of United Policyholders, which is a nonprofit 501c3 whose mission is to be a trustworthy and useful resource and a respected voice for consumers of all types of insurance in all 50 states. She says they do not take money from insurance companies, so they give the straight scoop and offer themselves as a guide on not only buying insurance, but also navigating claims. So Emily, welcome back to The Real Wealth Show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. Sorry, it's for another devastating wildfire. I was just going to say, I I don't love the reason that you're back, but I'm glad Mm -hmm. that you're back. (laughs) So, and you have had to leave the San Francisco Bay Area because the smoke is so bad and you're in the mountains now. How is it there in the Sierras? We're lucky. So the air quality here is good, but at the end of last week, the air quality in San Francisco got to those hazardous levels that, you know, all up the North Bay and up to Paradise, you know, everyone's experiencing it. And I'm six months pregnant. So I had to, I had to retreat. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I I don't know if you know, but I evacuated from Malibu on the same day that my daughter evacuated from Chico, and we thought, we'll meet in the middle in the San Francisco Bay Area, and then we got the toxic (laughs) air from from both sides. So anyway, uh, get your masks, everybody. Get those masks on or get out of town. So here we are again with uh, some major fires. The campfire's still going. I believe that the Woolsey fire is almost out, but there are still, you know, more fires, right? So what did we learn from these latest fires that, uh, you know, maybe is different than other ones, or is it is it the same? Well, for the most part, you know, the first steps for survivors are the same, but the amount of devastation, especially with the campfire, is so much greater. You know, it's going to be a long recovery. And what that means is, Last year, when we were talking about the wildfires, it was around 
you know, two years of recovery if you're lucky. And now, luckily, there was some legislation passed that will help the survivors. But now it's about three years, you know, at least. It's just going to be a very long haul. So when we're talking about these first weeks after disaster, just remembering that it's going to be a marathon and not a sprint. So most homeowners, hopefully, have good fire insurance, hopefully have enough coverage. What about renters? I mean, a lot of renters didn't have any coverage, didn't know they should have renters coverage. And where are all these people going to go? Do you have any idea? That's a really tough question. So renters insurance typically covers two things. It's the cost to replace your belongings. And then it's also additional living expense coverage. And both of those categories are available in homeowners policies as well. But, you know, it's just that smaller scale for renters. And when you don't have that coverage, you know, you are left to make really big decisions about, like you said, where are these survivors going to live, both in the short term and the long term. They have to make those decisions a lot quicker than those who have insurance who can have the option of staying in a hotel or staying somewhere where the insurance company will cover the difference between what they were paying in rent and what their new cost of living is in their temporary housing. And not having that buffer of just being able to sit and, you know, take care of your family and to get, you know, your mind around what you're going to have to do to really resettle in a lot of these areas, because it's going to take a long time for even rental housing to pop back up. So, you know, people are going to be displaced for a very long time. You know, it's, it's scary since how many homes went down and renters are definitely affected by that. Well, yeah, over 11,000 homes destroyed in uh, Northern California in a very small area. So I don't I don't know where they're going to go. I mean, I was immediately looking at land in the area to see if we could purchase it and get some kind of manufactured housing on it. And I still want to mm-hmm. look into that. But if there's any experts listening that could help us, you know, with this problem with getting temporary housing, at least to many of the people who will have no place to live and are just camping and, you know, they were yeah. camping at Walmart, and now they're getting kicked out of there and probably going to the Chico Mall, but that's not going to last long. Right, right. And, you know, FEMA is on the ground. So that is one of the areas that they do cover, which is temporary shelter assistance. But again, they'll be happy that I mentioned the T that's temporary. It's really about making sure people have basic needs and sanitation and what people need just to be, you know, at the very basics of livable. And that's not necessarily going to last for a long time. So first of all, everyone affected by this disaster should register for FEMA. And if you are a renter or if you're displaced or you don't have any insurance, FEMA may be able to help with temporary shelter assistance. But again, it's a lot of people are still figuring it out. They're still fighting the fire right now. Right. So what should people look for in their insurance policies? Let's start with a renter. I mean, where should they go? What should they look for in order to protect themselves? Right. So renters insurance is pretty straightforward. So you're going to have the two main categories, which are your contents, which is how much you have to replace your belongings. And then you're going to have your, uh, it's called many things. You might see it be called loss of use or additional living expense coverage. That's the other bucket. And so for your contents, so everyone should get a copy of their policy so that they can see what are in those two buckets. How much money will they have to start over again? And with your contents, you are entitled to get at least 25% of that up front. So that will be the amount that you get to really start replacing your belongings. And 
you know, realistically, people aren't going to start replacing everything right away. But that's your first step. That's what that bucket covers. And then I think at this point, your additional living expense coverage is the main thing people should focus on because that's the money that will be for temporary housing. It'll be for additional mileage if you're displaced and it takes you quite a bit longer to get to work or to your kids' schools or your house's worship, whatever that may be. Any extra expense that you incur because of the fire falls into that category. So you want to make sure that you get your insurance policy so that you can see what falls in those categories. And then from there, there's going to be some budgeting that has to happen. Okay. So then if you're a homeowner in general, what are the main things you need to make sure are listed in your insurance policy? We had some people, actually just one of our members had a property in Houston and found out that their property was not insured for named storms, which just seems crazy because every storm has a name these days. And if you're not covered for it, you're paying insurance for something you're not going to get. So what kinds of little, uh, I guess, loopholes for the insurance companies should we be looking for to make sure that we're protected for fires and anything else? Right. So for the most part, basic homeowner's insurance covers damage from fire. It's one of the first perils or the first kinds of hazards that was around when these insurance policies first popped up. So they were mostly fire insurance policies from going back to the beginning of insurance in America. And so fire will definitely be covered if you have a total loss. And the more loopholes are in the amounts of coverage you have. So for homeowners, it gets a lot more complicated because you want to make sure you get your policy, but that means not just the declarations page, not just the page that has these buckets of coverage and the dollar amount, but the fine print. Because a lot of those loopholes and, you know, little bits of either, you know, positives or negatives will be in that fine print. And an example of that will be, for instance, your debris removal coverage. So that will be a percentage in your policy, most likely. Sometimes it's a dollar amount, but most of the time it's a percentage. And then whether or not that's a percentage on top of your structural limits or within your structural limits will make a really big difference for homeowners. So there are a lot of little bits within your policy that are going to make a big difference. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to read an insurance policy. No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. So right now, I think the main message to survivors is to get a copy of that policy and make a copy of it so that you have the policy and then you have a working policy so that, you know, if you want to write all over it or just put question marks on what to ask your adjuster or highlight when you see something that looks like more money, that you can do so and feel comfortable that, you know, you're going to get to know this policy. It doesn't have to happen in one sitting. It doesn't have to happen immediately. And then for landlords, is there anything special they should be looking for in their policy to cover themselves for asset protection, but also to cover their tenant? Yeah, so for landlords, for the most part, there is not insurance within a landlord's policy that helps out their tenant. And that's a really big issue for renters, because if you're a renter, your landlord's policy doesn't cover your stuff. It doesn't guarantee that you'll be able to require your landlord to rebuild And so for landlords, it's making sure that, you know, you have enough coverage to rebuild. And, you know, that's for anyone who who lost a structure, but that's an important one. And there's also something called a co-insurance clause, 
which is in the fine print of a landlord's insurance policy. And that can mean if you intentionally underinsured yourself. So that's the reason why this exists. But most of the time, people don't intentionally underinsure themselves. There could be a penalty in there. And that's something to keep an eye out for. So that's what you would want to look out for. Okay. And how does it work if you do lose your home and you submit? I mean, what's the process? How long does it take before you get what you need? What if it's just coverage to stay in a hotel or obviously to rebuild? Well, hopefully the coverage to stay in a hotel, the advances should be happening pretty quickly. Usually in disaster areas, there are a disaster recovery center or a local assistance center, some sort of one-stop shop for survivors to get information and help. Our organization is in the one-stop shops, both in Chico for the campfire and then also down in Malibu and in Thousand Oaks for the Woolsey Fire. And nearby these local assistance centers or disaster assistance centers, they're basically the same thing. The only difference is who's running them. If FEMA runs them, they change the name into a disaster recovery center. And nearby are usually some sort of, and I'm using air quotes, insurance village. And it is where the insurance companies bring their RVs and their, you know, the Calvary to set up to help start processing these claims. So if you see a big old, you know, it looks like a tour bus, but it's really has an insurance company on it. That's usually one of the insurance company's mobile units. And they will come out and that is somewhere where survivors can go and start their claim. If they know the status of their home and get that going. The important thing is to know what to ask for, though, because I feel that I've seen many times where survivors are very thankful to get a check but it might not be as much as they're supposed to get. And again, in California, the insurance commissioner has, as he has done in many fires, requested that survivors get four months advance for their additional living expense coverage and 25% of their personal property. And that is the start. Most insurance companies after the Tubbs fire, the big fires in the North Bay and Santa Rosa, were giving large advances of the personal property. But it wasn't this soon afterwards. So hopefully they will be honoring what they had done in the past and really giving these large percentages of personal property inventory. But every consumer should ask for this advance, ask for enough to get started. And we have the bulletin on our website if they need that little extra backup if they hear a no from their insurance company. Now, what if somebody just doesn't want to rebuild? I mean, I just actually went to an exercise class. It was so nice the first time in Uh, the 10 days that I've been evacuated, and I'm still evacuated. They won't let us go home, but I was able to at least get in my office. But I talked to another real estate agent at uh, my exercise class, and she said, oh, she's so busy. And I said, you're kidding me. What are you busy doing? I don't do real estate in Malibu, but she does. So she said, oh, it's times like these that people come in and buy the lots because oftentimes oh, yeah. the people who lost their homes don't want to rebuild. They just want to go and they take the check and go. And sometimes you can buy the lot for fairly cheap. I mean, have you seen that, you know, at least in the Northern California fires or anywhere else? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely an option for people. So from the homeowner's perspective, they have the right in California to take the money that they would have needed to rebuild and use it to buy a replacement home instead. You know, when people get started, they will get an initial check from their insurance company for their structure loss, for their home. And that is just a starting place. But if you want to 
use your insurance and instead of, you know, taking on a huge construction project and, you know, not knowing how long it will take, if you want to use that money to buy a place somewhere else, that's well within your right. But the thing is, it's not that easy. You don't just get a cash out for your policy limits. You still have to go through the process and prove what it would have cost to rebuild your home at its current location and come to an agreement with your insurance adjuster because there are so many little extras that kick into place. Your extended replacement cost coverage, your code upgrade coverage. There are all these little buckets, little extras that you get once you rebuild and you get those same benefits if you replace instead of rebuilding, but you still have to prove that you would have incurred those expenses if you were to rebuild. So unfortunately, there's no easy road. You still have some documentation to go through. But that being said, if your adjuster gives you a check for the actual cash value, so not what it would cost to rebuild, but what they say your home's actual you put it like the materials, what that was, that first check, you can do what you want with it. But, you know, you you definitely want to make sure because we're talking about an extra six figures on top, if not more. Mm, Yeah. So one of my friends uh, lost her kind of ranch in Malibu and it was on the market. And uh, well, it was in contract, but the person who wanted to buy it is the next door neighbor and just wanted the ranch. So He's kind of happy because she got her insurance check and he wanted to take down the building anyway. And, you know, just oh, have nice. extra. Well, there you go. <laughs> right. And so it's working out. She reduced the price to him because she got her insurance money and he got the land. That's kind of the situation for us. The house literally next door to us is gone. And I noticed that when we moved to Malibu, it was kind of after the last fire and there were still so many vacant lots that people just walked away from or sold. And neighbors were able to buy those lots and just make their yards bigger. I'm sure we're going to see, you know, more of that. Or again, just an opportunity like for people to maybe buy a lot in a neighborhood that they wouldn't normally be able to afford. Right, right. You know, there's always, you know, when one door shuts, a window opens, or that phrase, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, the thing we try and reiterate is that there's no one path for everybody. And so making sure you know what your options are and, you know, know how to get what you were owed from your insurance company, that's a really important process. But what happens after that looks different for every survivor. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, well, if anybody has ideas, again, on how to get manufactured housing into the uh, Butte County area, you know, that's certainly something we are interested in helping out. I know the area well. My parents had a home in Paradise for many years. Beautiful place. We have many friends there. And, uh, well, obviously not there anymore, but uh, who lived there. And, of course, my daughter just 20 minutes down the road she ended up renting out her home to a family who wanted to stay in town. Her house is right across from a school in Paradise. Of course, all the schools and everything burned. So this family would like to get their child into the school. And Karina thought, well, I don't need to be here. So she's renting it out and she's going to go live in Seattle for a little while while that family gets there. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Like change can sometimes come and it's shocking, but then there's an opportunity maybe that presents itself that one wouldn't have seen or expected before. Right. And, you know, when we talk about the additional living expense coverage, this kind of dovetails exactly with what you were talking about is, you know, sometimes there are creative solutions that people need to do. So homeowners who have, you know, larger plots of land, they can sometimes negotiate with their insurance company to cash out their additional living expense coverage 
and buy a manufactured home or buy a tiny home and put it or an RV and put it on their lot so that they can stay close as they start their rebuild. And so they can stay in their community. And then at the end of that, they have something else. And that's the tricky part because insurance companies never want to make sure you come out ahead. But you know, <laughs> no one in this scenario rarely comes out ahead. You know, So just making sure that you come out as sane as possible and making sure that you're there where you need to be. And you know, that's what we definitely try and help people just get through it as smoothly as possible. But we know it's a long road ahead. Well, hopefully we can figure out the fire situation here in California. I would look at our, you know, our mountains where we have a house just basically in the fire zone. So this was no shock to me. What's shocking is that my house is standing, but it's a house from from the 20s. And there's been a lot of fires in the area. So it is very strange because our house has never burned, you know, for the century that it's been there. But the house next door has several times. And so my husband and I were just wondering if there are almost like jet streams of wind that because the winds were so strong, it was almost like darts through the canyons as opposed to just a crazy wildfire because the winds were so strong and it seems to go in the direction of this house next door, but did not touch ours. And I, it's not, they're not very far apart. <laughs> it's very kind of interesting to notice. Wow. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm sure I had a point, but you know, my brain is a little bit, uh, whew, I'm not at the sharpest because I've been living out of this little suitcase for 10 days, staying at different people's houses. I know we could have stayed in uh, hotels and the insurance would cover that, but there's something real nice about staying with friends. That's for sure. Yeah, we're so we're so grateful to all the people who reached out to us and gave us a room in their homes. So, all right, anything else? No, I hope you get back home fairly soon, and I'm glad to hear that your home is intact. Well, thank you again for being here, and and please tell us again how your organization helps people and how people can contribute to it, and what you're doing for the fire victims. Thank you. So United Policyholders is a nonprofit organization that helps disaster survivors navigate the complicated process of insurance claims. We are right now in the disaster recovery centers, both in Chico and in both Thousand Oaks and Malibu for the Woolsey Fire. And we really hope to be able to be there through the long-term recovery as we have in many disasters. You can find out more about our organization at www.uphelp.org slash campfire and uphelp.org slash Fire. And if you'd like to make a donation to our cause, you can go to uphelp.org slash donate. And all those resources will be going towards putting on workshops and tips and tools for survivors to help make it a little bit less of a painful process. Oh, well, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for being here on the show. And hopefully we won't have you back anytime soon. (laughs) I hope so. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you were touched by the fires, our hearts go out to you. We hope you are getting the support you need. And if you want to help, there are lots of ways to do so. There's GoFundMes everywhere. And of course, the Red Cross is a great place to donate. I'm Kathy Fetke, and thanks for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll see you after my vacation. Bye-bye.